Light painters and shutterbugs. Focus in on your unsuspecting subject. Await with patience the golden hour of light. And snap, snap, flash, flash. A momentary lapse in perfection is documented for the world to see. Mr. Sade, Mr. Sade, over here, over here, Mr. Sade, oh. Mr. Sade. Oh, God. It's time to talk tall to me. Oh, no. Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this, dear ones, as you have come to expect, is Talk Told to Me. A two-page, full-color scandal in the seedy tabloids of prog rock, in which Nikon Nick and overexposed Omen will inexpertly waste rolls and rolls of cellulose nitrate on every single picturesque track that photogenic rock band Jethro Tull has ever developed. We will blow out our bulbs on the Martin Barr burst rate. We will fill our portfolio with pixelated David's peg. And we will vibrantly vignette Peter John Vitesse, all with an eye of capturing a national flutographic masterpiece. And by poking a pinhole in a shoebox, we will attempt to create a blurry upside-down image of the shaggy Scotsman if enough photons pass through the Anderson aperture. Isn't the science behind photography just like mind-blowing it's basically your eyeball too like it's the exact same science they make a pair of glasses that will re-reverse the image that you see so that you actually start seeing things as your eyeball actually sees them which is upside down right and then your what happens is that your brain flips it to be the right side up but the glasses (gasps) re-flip it and so you see it upside down until if you wear it for like 24 hours your brain will re-re-flip it and then if you take the glasses off, then everything's upside down again. And your, your brain just throws up inside of your skull. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's bananas. Yeah. That's bananas. The human machine, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of machines, Nick, welcome back. It's great to be a part of the machine. Part of the machine. That's, uh, that's the end of next. Yeah, the next album, I believe. We'll get there. We'll get there. In three years, we'll get there. For today, we have (laughs) the distinct pleasure of listening to and then talking tall about another song by Jethro Tull, the rock band. That is correct. We are, we're just about rounding out the album at this point. Bonus tracks aside, we are on the penultimate track off of under wraps we're gonna talk paparazzi today we're gonna under wrap it up soon we're gonna wrap it under yeah thank you yeah there you go (laughs) so so rather than faff about anymore let's get into paparazzi shall we oh i was gonna faff about but yeah no let's do that let's listen to this song you can faff while doing it you don't faff on company time moment let's (laughs) let's let's faff a listen let's faff away Oh, man, that was paparazzi. That sure was. And you know what I realized? <gasps> this is not the first time you've heard paparazzi. Well, is it? it is and it isn't. 
Is it because you've heard that opening sting for our Instagram? Is that like the only ever reference That's, you've heard? That is accurate, yeah. Wow. When the, when it started up, I was like, oh, yeah, I know this one. And then it got into it, and I was like, I've never heard past the bit that you sampled for our sting. Wow. How, what are your feelings on this, then? I, I think this is a a very unique sound for Tull. Well, even even nestled in this album, I think it sounds super unique. So, what are, what are your thoughts on this for for a first time listen? You know, I I'm I'm I feel a little confused by it, and and maybe it is because mm. it's such a unique sound. But I I agree, it is very unique to Tall, even within the context of this album. I mean, this album is so unique for Tall, but right. I I'm kind of like I feel like there's such a driving force to it and the the couple of riffs that make up most of the song are so good that i'm craving a little bit of that that contrast which is which this song has less of than i think what we are used to from a lot of tall songs oh interesting i mean most of the song is that and then we get a little bit of relief with the section that begins now someone's cut the lines. Communication's down. Now someone's cut the lines. Communication's down. Hmm. We get a bit of we get a bit of a bridge, a bit of a change in tone, mm-hmm. but otherwise it's that very kind of high paced. There, there are those moments where it, it's it's really light and kind of mellifluous compared to that kind of heavier Martin that comes in at times. I, I do think there's some really nice contrast in here. There is, and maybe it's just something that you have to listen to more than once, maybe because you're more familiar yeah. with it. I mean, that's a very common experience that I've had with Tull, which oh, of is course, yeah. you know, that the first time you listen to it is just kind of this wave of sound, mm-hmm. and because it's more complex than your average sock-wearing rock band... Sock band. You're yeah. a sock band. You know that it takes a while to digest. It takes a while to hear all the bits. But at first listen, I kind of feel like I just want to dance to this at a club with my brain off. Mm-hmm. I think it's also the the nature of this album itself is because we're so accustomed to hearing the kind of more traditional electric sound or the folk sound. So even if we're hearing one of those songs for the first time, our ear is tuned to be able to pick out the pieces as it's happening, whereas this is still kind of cacophonous, even after a fourth or fifth listen for me, you know? Yeah. So it's 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 a lot harder to, on first listen, be noticing the nuance. But even just listening to it that second time, you're totally right. There is that, there is that kind of B section that's mm. a little softer, a little bit more introspective, a little bit more mysterious. And then we yeah. do have some nice variation from Martin coming in with different types of sounds. I mean, that that main riff that goes through. Mm-hmm. That, that is for most of the song, but he does have some other sections that bring out some other textures to the with the guitar. The drum machine is very steady and not, not mm-hmm. super front. It's not very yeah. front in the sound here. But at the same time, it's also it also is driving the song in a in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a successful application of the drum machine. It it is successfully applied. It is applied. It's going. It's on a wait list 
for Harvard, but it's it's really crossed fingers. It's on the top of that wait list. Mother, I have received a letter. I am going to drum machine school. <laughs> that makes me cry. Musical tears. Wah, <laughs> wah, wah. It just it's just ri- perfectly rhythmic. <laughs> Your father and I wanted a lawyer bot. <laughs> Wait, is it going for to drum school? Is it going to get a, a degree in like the, the liberal arts? Yeah, but from Harvard, it's going to Harvard for drumming. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. Did you ever see? Tell that to its mother. Oh, fair enough. It should be NYU. Did you ever see Whiplash? No. What is that? Oh, it's so good. It's I think it's NYU the school. J.K. Simmons plays this like super crazy like hardcore insane drum teacher, and this and it's it's basically him versus this kid who's trying to be an amazing drummer, and it's beautiful and amazing. And I love J.K. Simmons; he's phenomenal in it. I highly recommend it. It's nice. very very good. Yeah. So, I mean, again, this is this feels like the kind of early. It's a sound that I'm not sure quite what to do with. And I think that, mm. you know, this is we're, we're obviously going to talk about the we're at the point in the album where we typically talk about the reviews, the critical yes, response. Correct. And so yep. my mind is going there a little bit now. Sure. And so I think that, you know, maybe some of what we're feeling or at least I'm feeling is probably what a lot of people felt at the time that this album was released, which is like, OK, what is this? Yeah, this definitely. Is, this doesn't sound like Jethro Tull, but it's not as it's not doing pop synth to the level that the pop synth bands are doing pop synth. So what is it? I don't know what to make of it. Right. It's it's Tull doing pop synth. Yeah. And I, I think this song in particular could, I mean, be honest, it sounds like it could be a, a bonus track. It doesn't quite fit in here. Or if you had a different voice singing this song and you were like, oh, yeah, this is an unreleased track from Sting and the Police. I'd be like, OK, cool nice Mm, interesting yeah you can totally hear someone else singing this song and not bat an eye so it's it's really just the delivery from tall that is is making you that just doesn't sit right it's not even that it it doesn't sit right because i like the song yeah 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 it's It's just so foreign it's so foreign yeah it's really interesting and it's really interesting that it's this it's at this point in the album i do feel like it's it's probably a clever placement in the album because if this had been, you know, straight off the bat, mm, mm-hmm. I would literally have to take the disc out. And just, just frisbee it into the sky and <laughs> just figure out where it lands. I was going to say take it out and see, make sure it's the right album, you know. Oh, oh okay. Did I, I accidentally I, put in, <laughs> you know, something that's not Jethro Tull? I guess I was a bit, a bit overreactive there. <laughs> You're like, yes, yes, you'd check, you'd check the cassette, you'd light it on fire, you'd put it in the microwave, yeah, obviously. Immediately dispose of it, yeah. 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 Drop it in the hydrochloric acid, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, light it on fire with napalm. Yes, launch it straight into the sun. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I wouldn't clock this as a Jethro Tull song. Out of all the songs on this album thus far, this is the one that the most is untethered from the from what came before it. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. Right. It's just right. they've so effectively gone in a direction that it, it's taken on some new characteristics. It's really bizarre. I'm having I'm having a hard time processing it, Nick. Yeah, and and I think honestly content-wise, I think it's the most removed from well, I mean kind of that first one 
lap of luxury is a bit of a stretch to fit in the spy thriller here, but this one also feels like a stretch. So that paired with the the sound of it, it does feel, again, it's that sore thumb. It's just out of place. Do you want me to kiss that thumb and make it all better? I mean... A, would you like a thermometer? A thumbometer? A thumbometer. <laughs> can, we, can we put the thumbometer on my thumb? Yep, it's a thumb. Doctor, I'm getting thumb. <laughs> oh, God. Mr. Said, I'm sorry. It, it, it's a thumb. <laughs> There's some interesting tidbits to point out. You have mm-hmm. been very diligent about pointing out the vocal attacks, the vocal... Yes. E- the jacks. The trips, the trills, the yips, the yarnies. The, yeah. Yeah, there are plenty in here, that's for sure. The bells and whistles. There's a really nice, uh-huh. Yeah, that's, I guess, if there's one through line to tie this into the rest of it, that that is the most prominent. Yeah, I mean, yes, there's synth and yes, there's drum machine, but the, the vocalizations here really make it a part of this album. And the way that he's singing. I mean, he it, this is consistent with the rest of the album in terms of that more poppy song. His voice mm-hmm. is pitched up really high. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. I mean, honestly, it is, it's very, this is a very listenable song. And maybe that's what I slightly don't, don't like about that's, it. That's why I hate it. <laughs> like what? You want me to enjoy this? How dare you? No, this is Jethro Tull. <laughs> I have to torture myself and everyone else who can hear it around me. <laughs> According to my wife. Yeah, maybe th- maybe there is a a level on which we feel deprived of that that hermitage of Tull. Yeah, there's a bit of cognitive dissonance here that it's just it's too consumable. Someone else might enjoy this. I don't know. <laughs> this I I better hide this. Someone could enjoy this. Yeah. Tuck it under your bed or just whip the disc into the sky. I'm going <laughs> to stick with that one. <laughs> yeah, I've got the shotgun loaded. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, we could do skeet with it. I like there there are a couple of other moments that I really enjoy which which are similar to let me see where was it Okay if we go back to Saboteur we have the we have that kind of vocal play of Mino 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 Saboteur Yep yep Here we have break it break it break it break it take it take it take it Take it. Not quite as that's more like a very tight echo as opposed to or a repetition rather, as opposed to like the the broken kind of stuttery, but it it does elicit the same thing because it's so quick on its its own heels. Yeah, I feel like it's the same impulse. It's like it's yeah. like going as far away from lyricism, from a lyric kind of singing as possible. Much more to that, I mean, almost, you know, I don't know, and maybe there's a term for it, but almost that kind of, I hesitate to, to say this name in, in a Jethro Tull podcast, Nick, but Michael Jackson. It's not the first time we've talked about Michael Jackson. Not the first time we've talked about him on this album. Yeah. Who, who also, again, I think we talked about it in the context, was the king of those vocal ejaculations. So yeah, he's he's really, really, really encompassing this pop sound. He really is. Yeah, you... You you keep you keep adding more fuel to the fire of this argument and you and I don't need to be convinced anymore, but you just keep adding that proof and it's just solid for me that like this is a pop album. It really is. Here's what I struggle with. 
is this an earnest and the answer to this, I mean, there is no there is no answer to this, but this is what keeps me up at night about this album. That and the venti espresso that I have right before <laughs> I go to bed. But is this an earnest attempt at a pop sound or is this a pastiche on a pop sound? Is this, you know what, we're such clever musicians that we can do our take on this sound as well as anyone who's doing this sound earnestly. We can dip our toes into it just to prove that we can and then move on to something else. Or is this really like, you know what, we really love this sound and we really want to go for it. Or is it a third thing? Is the question even not appropriate? You know what I mean? This is the sort of thing that goes round and round in my head. Right, right, right. I think it, I mean, it. for all we know, it could be at any and all of them sure. to some degree or another. I, but I think a, a huge factor is the natural progression of getting a drum machine, some crazy multiple versions of synths. Mm-hmm. The Fairlight. Getting PJV in there as an, an outside creative mind who's also considering the idea of producing around that who's time. Who's coming at the music from the perspective of a budding producer, absolutely. Yeah, and who has a mastery over an instrument which is brand new, or you know, yeah. coming into its 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 age? Yeah, I I think it's I think it's that I think it's all those factors, and it's that perfect storm of all of these things together, creating this super crazy unique sound. And again, it's it's the album version of the Lyricon Blues. We tried it, mm. Mm, we didn't stick with it, but we've got this to show for our work here, you know? It makes me think that maybe pop was so strong, the the spirit of pop compelled them, and they fell down speaking in tongues. Pop tongues. Pop tongues. And, yeah, and they didn't get exercised until... Until the, the they got panned by the reviewers and, and the, the fans. Until this album was complete. Yeah. We have kind of spoken about this before, but there is something about the creative process that at, at a high level of, of artistry, there is a sense in which the creative powers are not necessarily your own. Mm. That you are a mm. conduit for an idea or a story or a character or a sound or a poem. Sure. And so, you know, while I'm being, while I'm tongue in cheek, saying that this was a pop raptus you know maybe it was that maybe there maybe the 80s were just so powerful <laughs> there is certainly something to be said for zeitgeist for something to be in the air that everyone finds can find something appealing about it and can therefore utilize it in their own way you know, it's new, it's exciting, it's a different sound. Rather than poo-poo it, they embrace it. And that's, I mean, he does it in strange ways, but that's how Ian handles things. And even though, you know, we've talked about kind of some of the elements of sounds that are in this album that live in relation to other sounds that are happening at the time. But mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone could in good conscience describe this album as derivative no, no, it's no, like... I, I, I'm trying to think of even like stretching tongue in cheek. I'm trying to think of a way of an, of an example of what it would be derivative of. And I just, 
No, it's it's I it's, can't. it's its own unique, completely original take on this pop spirit, and that right, I, it's, that I think is pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's it's pop adjacent at best, but it's certainly very poppy when placed in the context of Tall. Yes. The only other thing I want to say about the music is the flute does come in, but it is mm, very, mm-hmm. how would I say, tentative almost. It's subdued. It's subdued. It's sub- it's, su- it's some dude. It's sub it's sub don't, maybe. <laughs> sub kind of. It's sub I wish you hadn't. <laughs> it is very subtle. I'm not sure it it adds a whole lot. I think it might be one of those super rare instances where a flute too far. A flute too far where it, who who is the designer? It was like, look Coco in the Chanel. mirror and, and Chanel. Yeah. If this is a Chanel moment, he should have looked in the mirror and removed the flute. Wow. Not that it takes anything away from it. Can't believe. You know, I just don't think it really adds. This is, I'm very proud, Nick. I'm <laughs> so, I'm so happy. You are quoting a fashion designer. My work here is done. This entire podcast has been a big ploy. You, you, you catfished me, you bastard. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> it's been a, been decades in the making. Decades in the, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. On that note, let's uh, let's go out to the catfish pond and have a little chat, Omen. You get a worm, time. I get a pole. Crawdad. Said the vicar to the priest. <laughs> Omen, here we are. Oh, sure is a beautiful night. It is. It really is. Those crickets, those... Peepers. Do you mind holding the the hook for me? I get, this is a, this is a, this worm is a two hander. It's a fighter. It's a it fighter. Is. He's gonna make some catfish really happy. Ah! Oh my! I heard it scream. Oof. That's terrifying. You got that worm from Mary, didn't you? I did. I did. Her unsavory ways. Anyway, we have ourselves here. We're doing something a little different, a little new. As you all know, probably most likely at this point, I am participating in a podcast fellowship with Stony Brook University, where I am learning all sorts of stuff, including how to make this very podcast sound better. He gonna get him to school to get him an education. Oh, look at this. He's a doctor now. Don't let him operate on you. So one of the things is, much like this community that we have built. I am in there with over a dozen other students and we are kind of forming our own community. And one of my fellow students reached out to me and said, hey, let's do a copy swap about your podcast and my podcast. So Blake is going to read a blurb about Talk Tall to Me on his podcast. And Oban and I are going to talk about Blake's podcast. The podcast itself is Abandoned the All-American Ruins podcast. And I'm not just saying this because because we agreed to do a copy swap. Like, Ray and I binged it, and it's very nice. It's very good. The sound, the narration, he, he does a, a darn good job. I'm excited to take a listen to it, and, and now let's swappy that copy. Let's swappy that copy. Across the United States, there are thousands of abandoned spaces, the kind that look like they've been raptured. Houses with dishes on the table, churches with Bibles in the pews, factories with assembly lines still intact. In partnership with Radio Kingston, WKNY, 
Abandoned, the All-American Ruins podcast takes listeners through immersive audio fantasies, recreating host Blake Files exploring abandoned spaces across the United States. Along the way, Abandoned asks critical questions about American history and culture, community, capitalism and economics, the environment, and mental health, while encouraging folks to activate their imaginations as a tool for healing. Season 1, Anna Moya follows Blake on the first year of his All-American Ruins journey. Featuring 12 episodes, Blake leads listeners through 12 locations across the United States, including an abandoned Air Force base in Saratoga Springs, New York, an abandoned couples resort in the Poconos, and the genesis of it all, an abandoned dairy farm in the mountains of Colorado. Subscribe and listen to Abandoned, the All-American Ruins podcast now, wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at allamericanruins.com. The way my body is feeling, I'm surprised that Blake hasn't showed up to walk through me. <laughs> You're season two. It's, <laughs> it's a deep dive. Yeah. I am an All-American Ruin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for checking that out, folks. Greatly appreciate it. I do highly recommend it. Not because Blake has paid me many, many dollars. Hundreds of cents. Hundreds of cents have gone into this. Next in line, we're action-packed here. So as you mentioned earlier, Omen, we are at the point where we're getting into review territory. And I thought, what better episode to talk about reviews for the album than paparazzi now this is always the review section is always a little bit tricky you know as we get further away from the 70s there are more and more voices at play rolling stone magazine did not deign to review this album at least if they did it did not come up in my internet search i looked around and i found a review that i thought is is a good balance of of a number of different thoughts so this is actually from the website backseat mafia the highly reputable Backseat Mafia. The I'm sure someone has heard of it, Backseat Mafia. The The author is John Bryan. Yeah, John Bryan's mom has heard of it. This is September 6th, 2019. The mid-80s were a fascinating and fractious time for what would become known as classic rock. Even compared to their contemporaries, Jethro Tull had been out of step for some time. Quietly anti-drugs at a time when such things were considered to be a vital part of the creative process, their sound had evolved throughout the 70s, and when their survival instincts kicked in as punk rose to prominence, led them to release a trio of folk rock albums, which were as opposed to the current flow of musical trends as it was possible for a rock band to be. The dawn of the 80s saw a huge shift in the band's lineup, and a slightly clumsy attempt to include more synthesizers into their music, before course-correcting with 1982's The Broadsword and the Beast, a surprisingly effective fusion of the classic 70s tall sound with 80s synthesizers, which met with commercial indifference everywhere except Germany. All things considered, Tull's 1984 under wraps was an insanely brave move, as it saw band creative coordinator Ian Anderson form a close musical working relationship with keyboard player Peter John Vitesse and lead the rest of the band longtime guitar player Martin Barr and folk rock bass player Dave Pegg in a full-blooded synth rock direction. This was no well-established sound, with a few synthesizer sounds sprinkled over the top of a futile attempt to sound fashionable. No! Under Wraps was a full-on embracing of a radical new direction for the band. It was daring. It was exciting. And it was not what the fans wanted. Mm. To his credit, Anderson had 
even adjusted his writing style to better match Tull's new musical direction, with lyrics of icy detachment, tales of Cold War espionage, and the whole of Underwraps having a sort of oddly doom-laden quality about it. Listening to Underwraps 30 years after its release, you can still hear the huge amount of effort that went into it, as Anderson and the majority of the rest of the band throw their full weight behind this new direction. It appears that only Peg was less than enthused at the new direction, <laughs> and given that he had spent the majority of his musical career in folk rocker's Fairport Convention, and his rhythmic partner now consisted of Anderson struggling to punch the code into the still-emerging technology, his lack of enthusiasm was perhaps understandable. Under Wraps has long been the Jethro Tull album with the least love lavished upon it, simply because it was the one on which the band sounded the least like themselves. Is Under Wraps a good Jethro Tull album? On reflection, no it isn't. Instead, it is the bravest album that any band of their vintage in the 1980s as a leap of faith that failed because it was a combination of both too ambitious and not what the band's fan base expected, rather than any lack of creativity or effort on the part of the band. All right. Mm. That's the review and kind of historical retrospective there. I think that, you know, perhaps it's not quite as well written as, as the Rolling Stones stuff, or at least not as well edited, but there's a lot of value to that review, I think. And the reason I wanted to, yeah. the reason I chose that one is because it really does highlight what I think is this album's best feature. Which is going all in on the sound, Absolutely, on the technology. Absolutely, taking a direction and, and pushing so far in that direction that mm. despite the fact that everyone hated it, <laughs> it's still something really unique. So he brings up a good, a good semantic point there. Is it a good Tull album? No. Is it a good album? Also no. <laughs> Also, no, maybe, I don't know. But can you separate out the fact, can you look at it removed from Tull and just listen to it as a pop album from that era? I'm not sure you can. It's hard. It's it's interesting. It's like, is it a good album? Good at what? Was it a successful album in terms of sales? No, that's that's concrete. Okay, so so what is a good Tull album, and what makes that good, then? And what I would say is, what go fuck yourself. Go and stick a sheet of wrapping paper up your bum. What makes a good Jethro Tull album? I think that, for me, fundamentally, what Jethro Tull is about is the prog quality. It's about taking a journey and the public be damned in a, in a certain way. You know, and obviously they've got yeah. bills to pay, and so they have to sell albums. But at the same time, I would rather listen to a band that made a horrible mistake. <laughs> Not that I'm saying this is a horrible mistake, but, I, you know, right. I'd rather listen to a band that, that went so far and so dedicatedly in the quote-unquote wrong direction than one who said, yeah, you know, this is the sound that people like, and so we're going to make a hundred songs that all sound the same. Yeah, I think thinking about it as a different direction as opposed to the wrong direction is is more academic here and is more valuable to consider than just like oh they made a mistake it's a bad album we forget it like i i really do like and appreciate this album now after going into it it's the most illustrative so far in a way of what really is at the heart of tall which is this spirit of exploration yeah they don't half-ass anything, and that's very clear with this album. Yeah. 
is this a, is this more of a Shackleton expedition than a mission to the moon? Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps this album got caught in the ice and sank. Perhaps this album had to survive on penguin meat. But the fact of the matter is, people are still going back to the Shackleton site, and here we are right now. And boy, is it cold. It's frigid in here. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the Shackleton expedition and, and the failure of the Shackleton expedition and the success of the Shackleton expedition to survive their massive failure speaks more to the human spirit than, you know, someone very cleverly going off and discovering something that they expected to be there and, and la-di-da. That's valid. Yeah. Yeah, it's uncharted territory. We don't know how it's going to go. And we survived. I mean, we walk with a limp now because we lost all of our, our toes on that one foot. But, you know, we lasted a couple more years. I'll never eat penguin again. <laughs> it was my favorite dish, and now it's just ruined. <laughs> to the 300th meal. What else do we have to talk about in this uh, in this little pond escape? Speaking of ponds, Rick, my stepfather, saw a massive alligator in the lagoon behind the house today. Don't bring Bert to the lagoon. Lightly rethinking my paddleboarding yeah, idea. I think you should heavily rethink that. I need to heavily armor my paddleboard. Yeah, I mean, if you wear a suit of armor, that thing's not going to bite you. You'll be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was big. It was like 10 foot long. I believe it. Kevlar, Kevlar... A Kevlar uh, car that drives away from the water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that is it. We caught plenty of fish. We let them all go mm-hmm. because we did it just for giggles. Just like our listeners. Catch and release. Yep, that's right. We're humane here. And let's let's jump into the... Pond. The context of the pond of this song. Splash. Here we are. I said earlier that I think this one is kind of the most, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, removed from our story here. It works. You kind of got to crowbar it in there, but it, it works. But this is more of a... This is more of an Ian song. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Throw it in reverse. Let's back it up here for a minute. Let's back it up. Nick, paparazzi, what does the term mean? Paparazzi is the plural of paparazzo. Uh-huh. And it is someone who makes a living off of taking pictures of of famous people and selling them. And yeah, I mean that's really it. That's I don't that's not the without the famous person's permission. Oh sure, yeah. It's not like a, a, a photographer like having you pose. It's someone who jumps out from behind a car and takes a picture as you're sneezing right at the perfect moment. And then the headline is 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 Ian Anderson having a stroke? No, he just he just is sneezing. The term paparazzi actually originates with the sixty Fellini film La Dolce Vita, mm. in which there was a character called Paparazzo. Oh, cool! Who is a a very very invasive photographer? Interesting. And so subsequently, people started to say, "Oh, yeah, he's he's a real paparazzo," and then it got pluralized to paparazzi. Boy, what a what a cultural contribution to to have that like to something that you made is now just a well-known term yeah it's very it's very cool i love that kind of origin thing yeah 
Back to your point, now throwing it back in reverse three-point turn, back to where we started, I completely agree with you that this does feel much more like an Ian Anderson song rather than a the story of this, the the Jean Le Carré world that Mm -hmm. we've had for most of the album. I am interested to kind of interrogate the lyrics and see, is there some way in which we can square that circle? Is there some way in which we can bake that flourless cake? I think I think we can. I, if we get creative, I think we can. It's gluten-free. It's gluten-free. And it's delicious. Paparazzi can't make the man. Paparazzi can't break the man. Paparazzi can't make the man. Paparazzi can't break the man. Now, this is interesting. The first, the very first line almost reminds me of, a, of an old expression, which I don't know. I don't think it's Shakespeare, but it's very old. Clothes maketh the man. Is that, I could be way off. Is that not Polonius? No, I don't think it's Polonius. It's a proverb. It is. That it is. Oh, it's, it's, it's super old. It's Erasmus. Oh, wow. Okay. Vestis virum facet. Hmm. That's cool. For those of you who want the actual pronunciation, Westis virum facit. Westis virum facit. I love it when you 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 pick on the one thing that I'm good at. <laughs> Mark Twain often also said, "Clothes make a man. Naked people have little to no influence on society." He hadn't heard of OnlyFans. Oh. I would subscribe to his OnlyFans. Just a man and his mustache and a cigar. <laughs> wow. But he's saying funny things, so... I need to go floss my brain now. <laughs> anyway, we're a bit off topic. Paparazzi can't make the man. Meaning, just because... If you're not famous, they're not going to take a picture of you, so they, they're they not going to make you famous. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Paparazzi can't break the man... That's a different story. I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that one. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, we could talk the whole rest of the pod just about these two lines. Yeah. I, I think we've got the first one sorted. You know, whether someone taking pictures of you doesn't do anything to increase your value to society. or Right. And I think by the inverse, the adulation or, mm. or predatory behavior of photographers can't actually change any actions that you've done. Right. People react for a half an hour about your your bad picture or you punched out the paparazzi. Or you were wearing a really great suit. Yeah, and but then they forget about it, and it doesn't matter. And it has no influence on how good you play the guitar. Correct. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I like it. I love the description of the sad paparazzi next to the transit lounge. See the paparazzi <laughs> tears. No one came in today from Boston or Tangiers. Next to the transit lounge, see the paparazzi tears. No one came in today from Boston or Tangiers. Because that is time where he could have been somewhere else taking pictures of someone else. Right. You know, like every hour he's not taking a picture is lost money. That's right. And so, you know, you can imagine this this gang of photographers waiting around the landing strip. The arrival gate. Yeah, right, right, right. Hoping to see someone famous come off the plane, yeah. 
Yeah, and all they see is the day trippers, faceless trippers trip, loaded with duty free. Just random schlubs. Yep. Snap it up, flash away, steal a camel for the day. This is a line that gives me some some pause, Nick. Any, yeah. any notion of what the Camel reference is about? I mean, Camel is a cigarette brand. Mm-hmm. A Camel is a type of plane, but it's like a biplane. Oh. The Sopwith Camel. Oh, that's a reference I was not aware of. Yeah, it's super old. Is it possible that, you know, you would be stealing a Camel in order to hike out to the villa where somebody's vacationing? That feels like a stretch. Right. Maybe it's just a turn of phrase, kind of employing that idea. Huh. So there's an Egyptian proverb. If you love, love the moon. And if you steal, steal a camel. <laughs> so- no explanation. End of podcast. Uh, well, so the the implication is uh, is do nothing by halves. The moon is is often mm. a a a stand in for the beauty of a woman. Sure. And the camel is is one of the most valuable assets that you can have. Yeah. I guess the, p- perhaps if if that if we can use that to unlock this song, then the implication is, you know, if you're going to go and get a picture of somebody, really go for it. Really, you know, hide in their garbage can. Yeah. Don't half ass it because if you get a shitty picture. You're not selling a shitty picture, right? Because because Giacomo Giacomo Scalini actually was in the bathtub the whole time. Well, Paris Hilton was on the toilet. Yeah, I my my mind has <laughs> bedecked with Nikon necklaces. With Nikon necklaces. I like that. Great. I like that imagery. Very nice. Constantly around the neck. Here are the paparazzi cries. They're they're weeping. Under their noses walk the famous in disguise, conspicuously huddled there, but no one stops to look. Oh, and and then they've got their crayons out to color in the book. That's the most biting piece of commentary in this whole thing for me, which is, you know, it's infantile what these people are doing. Yeah, the content that they create is childish at best. And for people of limited intelligence even. Yeah, yeah. But that little uh, under their noses walk the famous in disguise, that that's the kind of line that makes me think, yeah, this does seem like a Ian Anderson escaped the paparazzi one day and then wrote a whole song about it. yeah. But also, that is the one line that makes me think that it could fit in with our story. Are you saying that Ian Anderson was a spy? I think that's what we're getting to, right? Maybe there is something... Okay, this is going to be a crazy thought. Not the first time. Go on. Not crazy enough. (laughs) We know that Ian is famously reclusive. Correct. I was listening to Rupee's Dance and the song Lost in Crowds. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful articulation of that sense of like, you know, I just don't kind of want to be bothered. Yeah. And I can turn it on when I need to, but that's almost worse. Mm. But perhaps Ian got in the habit of dodging 
the press being reclusive, and that made him feel like a spy. Oh, the the satisfaction of yes, it all. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I got away with it. Oh, I've duped the, I've duped the paparazzi with my fake mustache. Wow. Right. It's like yeah. I'm a spy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if you are you are regularly consuming that kind of media that it's it's kind of in your mind Absolutely. you know you, you, it, it's it's fun and and there's there's ultimately nothing to lose if you get caught you got to deal with the pictures but if you get through it it's like that much more satisfying what's in your briefcase it's the it's the drum machine codes yeah it's a cat it's it's, it's a nuclear cat <laughs> a nuclear powered cat but that being said like this could be our hero sneaking by the the KGB who are stationed on the sidewalk, and he just successfully just cruises right on by them. Yeah. I do think that in order to make this fit into the spy narrative, there is a little bit of stretching that needs to be done, Mm. because you should always stretch before you exercise. Limber up. Yeah. I do also like the, in our little breakdown, paparazzi write it down, paparazzi turn it around, paparazzi take it, fake it, break it, because it's a story. You know, the sense that, like, this is well established in the history of the media, but, you know, this notion that the paparazzi will, or the photographers in general, or the people selling things to newspaper in order to, to have a bigger scandal or something that is more delicious to the public, stage photos or, or create sure. situations to make people look worse. Right. You know, there's the famous story of Marilyn Monroe, that when they found her dead... The the photographers who found her weren't satisfied with the scene of her death and so moved her around a little bit to make it look more more tragic. Oh, my God. Did I make that up? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, and the other bit that that has the real spy connotation is now someone's cut the line communications down. All photo film is fogged. Celebrities surround and jab their fingers at me. They kiss, but I can't tell. Even the poor paparazzi must have privacy as well. Now someone's cut the lines, communications down. A photo film is fucked, celebrities surround. There's kind of a sense of it being turned on its head mm-hmm. or or the paparazzi being foiled in some way. Yeah. He is the spy. The paparazzi is the enemy agent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's making a, a game of this unfortunate, miserable side effect of what he has to deal with being a, a celebrity. Well, and even in that line, it's almost he takes on the role of being the paparazzo. Oh, all photo film is fogged. Celebrities surround and jab their fingers at me. You know, suddenly he's the photo- he's the photographer, oh, and yeah, the celebrities yeah. are saying, "Hey, you, get out of here." They kiss, but I can't tell. I'm witnessing this stuff, but I can't. My camera's jammed, so I can't take a picture of it. Oh, interesting. Isn't that odd? Yeah, that's a curious a curious turn there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the second half of the song. 
maybe it's just a dual perspective thing. Well, and that stanza specifically is with the the music shift where we kind of get that yeah. more introspective. It's interesting. I mean, this is, again, this is why we keep coming back to Tall because we are too pig-headed to stop. And also because even in a song that seems simple, there are these nuggets where it's like, wait a minute, did this whole thing just reverse on us? Yeah, it feels like it's a tongue-in-cheek turn to to give the paparazzi humanity you know like oh they're just humans they're just doing their job like i i don't think he genuinely is offering them sympathy i think it's it's more more sarcastic than anything but yeah because it gets so saccharine and that that music really does pull back do you know that scene in the third of the christopher nolan batman movies where bruce wayne steps out of a limo and he hasn't been seen in years and so all the Photographers start going crazy and yelling and yelling and there's all this flashing just for a second. And then he goes, he flips a little device out of his pocket and clicks it and all of the cameras die because it shuts down all the electronics within like, you know, 20 feet. To a tiny, a personal EMP. Yeah. And they all go, ah. Oh. I don't remember that. It's been a very long time since I've seen that. It's a great little detail. Yeah. So you're saying Ian should have one of those? Ian invented it. Oh, even better. Very cool. Yeah. So this song is very different from the Lady Gaga paparazzi. That's for sure. That's true. She is the lover following the celebrity and and saying that she is she's there to worship him. Right, that's true. That's very yeah. true. Although that song is arguably perhaps even better known than this one. I definitely don't think it's worth an argument for that. But the I remember last week I said there's also a song called Paparazzi by Kim Dracula. Uh-huh. I remember you saying that. They are trap metal and it is literally just a cover of the Lady Gaga song. Oh, I was so hoping you were going to say it was a cover of the Jethro Tull song. Oh, wouldn't it be better? I've always thought that Jethro Tull would sound great as trap metal. I've been saying that for years. You have been. I have You were the first one to say that. You keep asking me to stop, and I refuse. What do we have the pleasure of leaping out of the bushes at next week? Next week is monumental for several reasons. Okay. It is the last track off of the album proper. That deserves a monument. If we're in this this limbo of, of weird bonus tracks, two more to follow that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's also our 200th episode. <gasps> <gasps> Someone get a paper bag. 200th episode 200th and it's uh, it's appropriate because it's apogee uh, 
which is the peak. And I, I'd say we've peaked about now, right? And it's I'd just downhill from here. Long ago. <laughs> well, how many episodes do we have left after this? After next one? Well, Ian has said that he's like halfway through his next album. Right. I mean, it's a, obviously it's a moving target, but roughly. Right. So if we if we don't add any more, we will end on two ninety two. So we've got about a hundred episodes left, and the broadsword bonus tracks. So we've got about a hundred yeah. left, a hundred plus. And we'll just, I mean, if he is punching them out one a year, we're never going to be done. It's like when your swim instructor says, jump off the diving board, I'll catch you. And you can see that they're already starting to swim backwards. <laughs> that sounds very personal, Omen. I've got a lot to work through. You going to talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So until Apogee next week, if you want to sneak past the fame grabbers, why don't you disguise yourself in a beautiful Talk Tall to Me t-shirt? No one will take you for anyone famous if you are wearing our merchandise. The only thing better than stealing a camel for the day is subscribing to our Patreon for a negligible 311.25 rubles a month. You can gain access to not only our Discord server, but also our two additional podcasts a month. Outtake Tall to Me and Feckless, a cornucopia of nonsense. Paparazzi can't break the man, but a lack of five-star reviews can break Nick and I. That's true. So do us a solid and go on to your pod review place of choice and review us positively. Give us five stars. It really helps bring other Tall Skulls into the listening mix. Until next week, I am the famous in disguise, Nick McGill. I can kiss, but I can't tell, Omen Thomas said. Break this, because it's a story. We're the feckless momes. And we are loaded with duty-free. Talk tall to me. God, it's starting to get cold. How, Steve? How long have you been out here? You got here before I did. Uh, man, I, I I got here last night. I just been drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes for twelve hours. That's that puddle filled with cigarette butts. Over yeah, there. you That's, want one? It calms mm. the nerves. Take two. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, t- I'll take I'll save one for later. I'll have a camel. Yeah. One for each side of your face. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Do you get Do you get anybody good? I I thought. Oh yeah. I th- thought yeah. I saw Macaulay Culkin. Oh my god, really? I th- I thought it wasn't. What? It wasn't. It, it was it was a, a it was a bag. It blew across the street. Oh man. It was, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't him. I yeah. you know, I was here because uh, I got here last night because I heard that Nicki Minaj was going to be flying in. Really? Yeah. I mean, and? I, I, well, I've been waiting for her all this entire Oh my god. Oh. Is it, Oh my god, Frank. Is that her? Frank, get it, get your camera get, out. Get, get her. Click. Get her. Is that Nikki? Miss Minaj, Miss Minaj, Miss Is it true? Oh. Is it true that you? Oh, no. it's a, it's a half deflated nylon balloon. Yeah, and that um, was, it's a. I think it says "Happy Birthday, Grandma." It does, it. and it was, it was, it, yeah. it was, it was attached to some squid ink pasta. Yeah, that's oh, that, peculiar. That's disappointing. I'm not sure why that is. So you, you know, just this morning, before, as I was coming over here, I, I, <laughs> dude, I got the best 
picture of Alec Baldwin what? Let me see getting it. thrown into a garbage truck. Here, look at this. I want to see it. Let me see it. Let me look see it. Look at this. Zoom. Look. So, oh, that's so good. Zoom in. So, yeah. Oh, Steve, you know what? I uh, I don't think that's Alec Baldwin. No, I I think that's just a garbage. It's just garbage. I can I understand. I mean, I understand. The com- that's embarrassing. Easy to mistake. Easy yeah. mistake. Oh my God, Steve. What? Steve. What is it? Steve, light my cigarette quick. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger is getting off the plane over there. No. Yeah, let me take get get my optic oh, zoom. Yeah. Get it, get it, get it, get it. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, Mrs. terminate this. Mrs. It's oh. not a tumor. Oh. Oh. It's it's a beef plane. It was just a side of beef. Oh. It wasn't even a cow. It was just like a side of It was just a, a refrigerator plane. I thought it yeah. was all Arnold Schwarzenegger. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Wow. Have you ever seen Donatella Versace in real life? No, I don't think so. I don't think she's real. I, I spent an entire afternoon hidden in a Japanese restaurant's attic photographing what I thought was Donatella Versace, but it turned out it was just a black piece of silk mm. over a dried squid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, why why that would be over the squid, I don't know. It's just, but... it, was a, it was a sexy moment. Were you able to sell those pictures? Oh, yeah. Like, did anyone oh, yeah. want those? Yeah. Oh, to, oh that's great. Dried, that's squid, great. dried Squid Magazine. Oh, nice. Oh, my God, Steve. What? Steve, what is it? This is going to be all worth it. Oh, my God, you won't believe it. Guess who just got off of Spirit Airlines flight? It's the freaking feckless moms. No. Yes. Both no of them way. at the same time. Get your camera out. Moms, over here. Oh, it's just a... That wasn't them at all. It was... That was just a camel. Just a, a camel. Two ends of a camel. Just two, two ends. Connected so by the hump. Very strange. I thought it was the feckless moans. Yeah. I could have sworn. I guess it was just bleeding in its camel voice, but I could have sworn it was saying. No, I definitely heard that. Yeah. yeah. But then I thought it also said. Talk tall to me as a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. No, I I didn't hear that one. Take a take a selfie with me, Steve. We'll sell it. Okay. We'll sell it for okay. a few pennies. Yeah, selfies, selfie magazine. Whoosh.